DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 7 at The Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! <laughs> that really wasn't in the spirit of the thing there, PK, but okay. <laughs> want to mix it up a little bit, man. You got to have variations of boom. You just tried to lay down a suicide squeeze instead of swinging for the fences. That's what happened right there. Boom! Time to welcome in the former BYU linebacker. When he hit, it was more boom rather than it was boom. And that's just when he hits a golf ball. David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, joins us now. David, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's going on, guys? I was uh, I was busy and it was late, so I have to admit I didn't see whatever you had to say on a BYU TV post game show. How do you spend a lot of time breaking down and analyzing these routes you're seeing? Texas State being one of the most formidable of the lopsided contests. Yeah, listen, it's uh, we're at that stretch in BYU schedule where you just kind of basically show up for if you're a BYU football team, take care of business, and move on to the next week. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's one of those games where, you know, listen, BYU start out slow defensively. Texas State came out. And they went with that. You've heard Kalani dub it the, the Daffy Duck, where they were putting two offensive linemen flexed out wide, uh, and, and BYU wasn't ready for it. They hadn't showed it on film. So, of course, Texas State drove down pretty quick. They did the hurry-up offense and put up quick seven points, and then BYU settled in, and it was all BYU from there. But, um, you know, I, I have – Listen, the tough thing about that, that offense, the problem is you're, you're sending a message to your team. If you're Texas State's head coach, Jake Spavadol, you're sending a message to your team that, listen, we can't compete with these guys, uh, and so we got to try some trickery, and hopefully we can trick them and, and score a point, you know, a touchdown, seven points, but then you're going to get a steamroll from there. I, I'm not sure that's the right approach if you're a head coach to try to send your team, like, hey, we're completely outmatched. Instead of trying to go with our fundamentals and hang with these guys, we're going to try to you know, do some trickery and, and see if we can't fool them. Um, because, of course, BYU will make some adjustments, and they did, and they shut it down completely from there on out. So I don't know if that's the right approach, but that's what the options go with, and it resulted in, uh, obviously, a big win by BYU. So, yeah, one of those games where it's obviously not super interesting. I think it was fun to see the fans there in the stadium. I think they had fun. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty lopsided victory, which we've seen the last few weeks, and, frankly, you're going to see this week, too. There's Western Kentucky's not – not very good. So uh, it'll be probably the same result. With that in mind, I mean, BYU is just receiving extraordinary publicity. I mean, I could go back and say it's uh, you haven't received this much publicity since Bronco was racking up 10 win seasons back there in the late 00s and uh, watching television and a college football program with Herb Street and uh, I think it was Palmer and Fowler and Zach Wilson is on towards the end of it and they spend a good five, six, seven minutes with him and I watched it and you know they bring up the schedule although they're not really ripping the schedule and then Zach made a point and I want to get your thought on it was that you know you can talk about our schedule but he's looking at his from the offensive perspective obviously it's about the execution of what they're doing and how good they've been, and of course they can get better and all that stuff. So when we look at it, rather than focus on, all right, Texas State and whatever, rather than look at the stuff that they're doing, and if you go in that direction, does that make it a little more palatable to argue that they're a pretty good team? 
Yeah, I, I think it does. And that's something that on the post-game shows, and even pre-game shows for BYU, we talk about uh, the fact that, you know, you look back towards last year, and obviously BYU struggled against some of these G5 opponents, and Toledo and USF, um, Northern Illinois, I mean, it, it, in years past. And so, uh, you know, the fact that they're going out there taking care of business, I mean, you look at Zach's touchdown to interception ratio, he's 16 touchdowns he's thrown with one interception so far this year. And so they're taking care of the ball. He's making good decisions. Um, he's distributing the ball. Just in the last game alone, he, there were 14, uh, 14 different receivers. And, and so he's distributing the ball to his guys. And, and I think that's what I like about Zach. Sometimes quarterbacks find their guy, right? Uh, and, and they just go after their guy and they look for them. And it's pretty evident that pre-snap, they're going to their guy. Uh, this year, Zach, you look at he goes through his progressions and he's throwing to whoever, whoever's open. <laughs> And wherever that seam is and wherever that void is in the defense, he's finding it and exploiting it. And I think that's the impressive thing about Zach. I mean, of course, he's got, uh, he's got a great relationship with Gunner and Dak Mill. Uh, but you saw this last week with uh, Isaac Rex and uh, Carter Weed. I mean, all these guys are getting the action. And, and I think as an offense, especially as a receiving core, that gets them pretty pumped up. And when they go out to every play, they go, listen, I have, a, I have a shot at catching this ball, right? This isn't an automatic go to Dax or automatic go to Gunner. Uh, if I'm open, if if I do my job and I find I, I find that hole in the in the zone defense, I'm going to get the ball, and uh, and I think that's why you're seeing this kind of offense collective unit do the do the things they're doing. And uh, but to Zach's point, I totally agree. They're taking care of business against the guys they're supposed to take care of business, even including Houston, who's, who's a good football team. Um, and and they're doing the things they're supposed to do, and and winning in convincingly fashion. So. I don't know. I, I, I'm with him. I think you can't knock him on you can't knock on the schedule because obviously it's not their decision. But uh, you know they're 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 taking care of business when the opportunity arises. So credit to them and credit to Zach for for doing his thing. And frankly, credit to defense. This is something. This is a stat we were looking at earlier. Uh, BYU through their first six games last year, and keep in mind they played Utah, and Washington, and USC and these you know Power Five teams. But they had eight turnovers, and off those turnovers. The opposing teams had 48 points, uh, whereas in this year they have five turnovers so far this season with zero points. So really, the defense you got to credit the defense. They come out and they they stopped the opposing teams uh, to not allow them to capitalize on those turnovers, including this last week. Whenever Texas State got the ball, I think it was on BYU's 10 10 yard line, and BYU held them without any points. They went four and out. So. Uh, really, both sides of the ball clicking, and it's uh, I mean, it's resulting in blowout wins like we're seeing. So we are seeing uh, lists of, you know, the best quarterbacks and depends on who's calling the game, and everybody does it different. But he keeps popping up top five. Well, if he's top five, then he's possibly a first-round NFL draft. At worst, he's a second-round NFL draft pick. You played in the NFL. You were with six different teams, if you count the teams where you were practice squad, you know, only, which means you saw a lot of NFL quarterbacks in practice, and you know what the best have, and you know what the second or third guy didn't have that the starter didn't have. Kind of where does he fit in? What skills does he have that remind you of the NFL quarterbacks that you saw? And what doesn't he have that you know NFL people are going to want him to have? Yeah, I, listen, I think uh, as we progress this season, here in two weeks will be a good test against Boise State, and then of course if BYU keeps winning, then maybe a New Year's Six bowl game against uh, you know a, a big P five. Uh, obviously, that will tell us a lot about Zach and, and how far he's come. Uh, but what he's put together so far this season, I just looked to it: sixteen touchdowns, one interception. His decision making uh, is up there next level, and 
And, of course, listen, when you get to the NFL, the defenses are so much more complicated than what he's facing in college. Uh, the schemes are more complicated. The, I mean, the looks, the, the disguise that goes on, it's, it's all obviously next level. I mean, it's, it's the NFL. It's now your job. So uh, it, it just makes it that much more difficult for quarterbacks. Uh, but when you look at his skill set, I mean, his arm strength, and to your point, I, I've, I've been around a lot of quarterbacks in my day and seen a lot of guys in practice and, and games, and uh, he's got the arm strength definitely there. I mean, some of those throws, in fact, the throw last week, the, the one that you've seen all over ESPN where he throws all the way across the field to Dax Mill for a touchdown and went, if he traveled something like 63 yards. But the, the impressive thing about that throw is it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the, the yardage, but it was the trajectory of the ball. He threw it on a rope. The Dak, and he had to because the safety was sitting right there. The safety actually did a good job on the play. He stayed backside because Dak threw on such a rope that the safety didn't have a, a time to get over there. Um, and so it, it's, it's just impressive what he's doing. But I, listen, I think BYU continues to win. This is, and I've said this before, uh, I, this is Zach's last year. I don't see him coming back if, if BYU continues to win and, and if he is a top five quarterback. Uh, you, have to take, you have to take the money and, and move on. And frankly, the schedule is helping him out, obviously. I mean, he, if BYU keeps their original schedule, I doubt BYU is 6-0 at this point, um, and he's probably not getting the national pub that he, he's getting right now. So at the end of the day, COVID and the schedule has kind of helped Zach out. But regardless of what this schedule or not, I think he would have shown this year that uh, he's much healthier, obviously, with the, with the shoulder being fully uh, you know, healthy. And then you know, the next level with, with what he's learned and, and how he's progressed as a quarterback is next level as well. So – and that's something that I think people don't realize is a lot of times these quarterbacks, Zach, uh, Taysom in particular, when these guys are rehabbing injuries in the offseason, they don't get to go through a spring ball like Zach didn't get to go through uh, a couple years ago. It really it really stunts your growth. And, and there's a reason why spring ball is so good for everybody is because you get those mental reps. Uh, you also get those game reps as far as being on the field and during practice. And you get to see a lot of different looks during spring ball. Uh, and I remember tasting the same thing. Tasting almost every single off season, he was rehabbing something. He wasn't out to participate in the spring ball. And it was the same thing happened to Zach a few years ago. So, yeah, this is. Uh, uh, I think for him, he's de- definitely taking that next step. I would love to see how. I, I'm really anxious to see how he performs in two weeks against Boise because I think that's going to be the, the the big test. And of course, San Diego State and and then a, a big bowl game at the end. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I think up to this point, he's definitely pressing up. I think he's he's NFL worthy. Uh, whether he's a starter or not, we'll see. I mean, that's uh, like I said, you have to take a whole another step once you get to the NFL as a quarterback to be prepared to be a starter. But uh, so far, so good. So when he was on that ESPN television thing with the college football, Herb Street and those guys, he was talking about how the quarantine actually was beneficial for him because it gave him time to do some stuff that he wouldn't have because he would have to be on campus and doing all those things that you need to do there. And he spoke of, obviously, the John Beck situation and being down there, and I think he said at uh, one point he was up, he was down there a couple of weeks and straight. So I'm wondering, should we be rethinking how these guys do off season? Because Zach himself is saying that was so beneficial. Well, if it's so beneficial to him, then why not have most of your guys, all your guys, do that and go do things differently than what you've been able to do all these other years that we think is the way it should be. Yeah, listen, it's not a bad argument. I mean, keep in mind, we're talking about the quarterback. I mean, I don't think a right. linebacker's D-line need to go off to some training camp somewhere and learn stuff. But I, I think it's great. I think, I think you often receive coaching from some different coaches than, you've, than you're typically used to. You know, instead of sitting there with Aaron Roderick and learning from him day in, day out, you go get somebody else's uh, perspective and, and opinion and coaching. 
Um, so I, I, I do think it's great. Listen, that's what the, that's what the pros do. Uh, the pros in their offseason, they go down and they meet up with coaches and, and just kind of get switch up the training a little bit. And I remember uh, when I was playing, uh, you know, you had your NFL training with, as far as just, you know, lifting weights and your physical training, and basically which consists of very lightweight, not much. And I'd come back to BYU every offseason, and I'd hit it hard with the guys at BYU where it's which heavier lifting and just kind of a different – just a whole different regimen, right? So that switch up for my body was great, and I loved kind of going back and forth between the two. And I think it's the same way with with you know a quarterback uh, on on the throwing and, and just kind of getting different looks and different takes from from different pros. And so, uh, yeah, I, I I think that's encouraging. I I think even college guys should find a way to go get some different coaching and, and just kind of hear from some other pros and and look at it. Uh, it's obviously difficult because, like you said, any other year he'd be expected to be here with his teammates doing player run practices. Uh, and, and being with the team during the off season, but this year because of COVID, they weren't holding him, so he had he had time and flexibility to head down, head down to uh, to see John. So uh, I, I agree. I I think it's something that's uh, pretty interesting. In fact, if you're John Beck, you're pricing this and saying, looking at this and saying, listen, there might be some opportunity for me to go do some consulting, <laughs> fly all around the country. Well, yeah, if I'm Beck, man, my rates just went up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So I think what these stories underline is the fact, uh, and a lot of people already know this, but it probably makes a new group of people aware of it, that being a D1 athlete, if you're going to be really good, it's a full-time job. And that if you can take classes online, that is quicker and more efficient to get you through the school portion of it. And the NCAA rules that limit you to the 20 hours a week and all that, while they may be well-meaning, for the guy who wants to have a shot at the NFL and wants to be an elite college player, uh, they don't really work. So how much does this change that down the line, and how much do you think, well, the NCAA just doesn't react to stuff like that and it's not going to change? Yeah, listen, I think every year, as football and money becomes more important to these programs, I think you're seeing a shift in that, that, that football is more important than, frankly, going, going to class. <laughs> I, I think these guys go, obviously go to class and they get their degrees, and I think all universities want to make sure they do that. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, now, for example, now they have iPads that they can watch all the film at home or, frankly, even in class if they, if they wanted to. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't around when I was there, uh, and that's a huge luxury, right? I mean, I, I would have to sit there in the linebacker room till late at night watching film or now these guys can sit on their couch at home. And so uh, there's just different access to, to things as, as we get you know, more technology advanced and, and these guys are, are, are uh, have, have different um, things that they're at their, you know, to access. So I, I think to your point, I mean, for the NFL, that's the thing is all of a sudden becomes your job and you're there from 7am to 6pm every day. Uh, and and now college is saying, well, if we want to make that step, we got to be, you know, we got to dedicate that same amount of time. And so, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a new trend where where guys just obviously are spending more time to, to their craft. And I I know talking to Keel and some of these other guys, we always joke like, man, we should have never gone to class. We should we should just focus on football because that's going to pay a heck of a lot more than our degrees might. But <laughs> and we kind of said that jokingly, but uh, there's some truth to that. If the guys that really have a, a legit shot, like a Zach Wilson. I mean, yeah, you got to find every way to, to to improve yourself and and dedicate yourself to football. And keep in mind, football season really, I mean, the actual season itself is only you know one semester. Uh, it's not like basketball that just keeps dragging on, right? It kind of spans <laughs> two semesters. So you just you just ride out that one semester and uh, see what you can do. 
Oh, so I want to hear the next BYU guy come out and like Cardale Jones. I didn't come to Ohio State to play school. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, that's that's the thing with college football is, I mean, it's all about the money, obviously, as we've seen. And it's uh, that's where it's trending. And so, listen, if you want to be successful, you got to figure it out. But I, there's still ways you can balance both, obviously. But uh, but you know, you look at the guys that really dedicate themselves, and and typically those are the ones that are more successful. So Kafusi had the pick six. I guess that's a uh, a defender, particularly the back seven's dream. Did you have one? I did. I had one my senior year, just like uh, Isaiah against uh, Wyoming. So about the same caliber type of team. Um, as Texas State, but uh, yeah, that that pick was that pick was solid. He, uh, you know, he, he did what he was supposed to do. They shortened the field because they flushed the quarterback out, and he just sat back there in the zone, read the quarterback's eyes, and jumped it. But I like how he did. I mean, mine was pretty easy. Mine, mine tipped off a helmet. I grabbed at about the same point. I grabbed like on a thirty forty and just ran in the end zone untouched. But he had to make some moves. He was kind of tiptoeing along the sideline and had to cut back. And uh, but how about him calling a shot? I mean, that's something that. You probably saw the video come out. He said pregame, he went up to the videographer and said, I'm going to be in the end zone tonight, you know, find me there or whatever. And he <laughs> called a shot. Sure enough, he was in the end zone. That's, that's the more impressive part, that he called it and he, he got in. So, uh, He's Babe Ruth. Yeah. But in all seriousness, Isaiah, uh, he leads the team in tackles right now. And he's a captain for a reason. That guy's a stud. He's been a, he's been a playmaker, a producer for – uh, you know, his entire time here at BYU. So I'm pumped to see him find the end zone. And, and you know, I think that's something that uh, these linebackers are learning from him and, and he's teaching them. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for this defense. Like I said, the defense is, you know, offense gets a lot of praise right now, uh, but this defense is, is playing lights out. And, and it's, it's fun to watch them come together and, and stick together whenever they, like I said, they're, they're forced into a short, short field situation after BYU's turnover. And, uh, you know, they, they hold. Texas State without any points. I mean, just stuff like that is, is awesome to see. So, pumped to see them going forward as well. Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. And uh, kids, don't go to class. I think that's what David was telling you. Yep, take note. Don't go to class. Focus on football. That's what it's all about. All right, there it is. David Nixon <laughs> making people cringe all over the Wasatch front. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's all kidding, by the way. Kids, go to class. You got to get your education. All right. Thank you, David. All right, see you guys.